Thanks for joining us for the Exchange Church Podcast. Here's this week's message from Pastor Trey Rose. Good morning. You guys are so quiet, we might have a problem. We might have a problem getting through this sermon if, if we're going to be that, that quiet. Um, our service was super loud, yeah. That's what happens when you oversleep. You got too much sleep. You got too much sleep, I know. And uh, anyway, no, we're going to have fun today and, and hopefully um, share some things, experiences and encounters with what the Lord wants to do in our heart and in our life. Um, I had a dream last night, actually. It was a long, long dream. And I, I dreamed, Chad, that I showed up to church, but we weren't here. It was like an outdoor kind of gazebo church kind of thing, and it was cool. And uh, the problem is I hadn't written a sermon, and I was stressed out. You ever, you know, sometimes people dream about going to school naked. I dream about going to church without a sermon. I really do. And I, I just, man, stressing out, and then I couldn't find my Bible in this dream. And I, I'm seeing, you know, people that aren't, they're not there, or they're on vacation or something, and then the worship team sings, and then they go backstage, and I come up here, but not here, wherever it was, and I'm trying to think of what to do. So I run back to the worship team and say, hey, let's sing, do something. And then somebody looked at me, and they said, well, that's okay, if, if you don't have a sermon and you just totally ruin it, Howard will fix it. I'm like, who's Howard? And they pointed and it was Eric Egley. So Eric, little Eric, bless his heart. Um, I told him for service that should this thing go downhill quick, he's the rescuer. It could be a prophetic dream. So I don't know where he is on campus, but everyone can look for Howard if things just go really bad today. Let's get to our text in Mark chapter 2. I'm excited about this sermon because I really believe that the Exchange Church is a place where purpose is awakened and developed. I'm seeing that more and more and more in scenario after scenario where people are really coming alive to this whole notion that God has purpose for them today. And I love coming on campus, whether it's this building or it's out by a lake somewhere in lawn chairs. I just love being around you people. You make me bigger. You make me better. You make me bolder. And I hope I rub off on you somewhat in the same way as well. But this is the place. This is the place where purpose is awakened and developed. And I believe we're going to see that today in Mark chapter 2, starting with verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, so you're following this in your mind, right? Jesus is in a house. He's preaching. The door's open, but they can't get to him because of the crowd. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was laying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, 
why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the men, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. The title of my sermon today is, If the Enemy Blocks the Door, Go Through the Roof. Father, we come before you today. I thank you so much for who you are and what you're doing in the hearts of your people today. God, this is a divine encounter. This is a moment that you have positioned us in this place at this time for something to be birthed in our hearts. God, we ask that the seeds not land on rocky soil, but God, it would land on fertile ground. God, let our hearts now be tender towards you to receive all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, I pray that the church shouts, Amen. Before you sit down, high five, hug somebody, make some noise, laugh, go get some coffee, do something. I have recently gotten somewhat excited about um, gardening. I, I hate to admit it, I almost feel a bit fake saying it because I'm not sure that this is going to last. Um, but over the last couple of weeks, I've kind of enjoyed gardening, watching my wife garden. And, huh? My babies. Yeah, I've got some plant babies. And um, she's got this little contraption with lights, and I decided that I wanted to own that. Like, she's got 50 or 60 or 5,000 little plants and seeds and stuff. And so we have the lights on for a certain number of hours during the day, and you water them a certain amount. And I was seeing things, you know, prop up, sprout up, and we're talking to them and saying, you know, raise in Jesus' name. And it's awesome. It's, it's really fun. I, I found that I really enjoy taking care of plants with hydrogen peroxide, though. Hydrogen peroxide, just so that you know, is a water molecule, so it's H2O, and then an oxygen molecule, so it's H2O2, right? And that's why you ever heard of hydrogen peroxide? You ever used it on your kids and they screamed that it burns and secretly you like to see those bubbles, right? You're like, ah, it doesn't burn one more time. Oh, look at the bubbles. So the bubble action is when the oxygen molecule is separating from the water molecule and it's in that mini explosion that a lot of viruses and things are killed. Now, you can't really rely on H2O2 or hydrogen peroxide in the little brown bottle at Walmart or CVS or Walgreens, any of that, because they dilute the H2O2 with water that's not really stable. So it will last for a little while, but it's really not effective. I know you've probably got a bottle tucked away that expired eight years ago. It's really not going to be effective. And it's certainly not uh, for internal use at that, that level. So I like to do things big. So I bought food grade, 35% H2O2. 
H2O2. There's only one place in the nation that sells it. If it touches your skin, it will turn your skin white and it will stay there for several hours. It like burns your skin. I know, trust me. And really, wear gloves when you're mixing. Lesson learned. And I mix the hydrogen peroxide with distilled water so that the mixture is stable. And I've got these these, uh, big old containers that I, and I use it for all kinds of fun stuff. I like to always see what it could be used for. You want to know one good thing it can be used for? You ever had a thermos, uh, one of those thermoses that you take off the top and you smell it and it just smells disgusting? Do you know, do you know what I'm talking about? Like the water bottles or anything and like you've washed it, but it just has this odor that you can't get rid of. And maybe it even smells like protein powder that's disgusting. Do you know? If you spray hydrogen peroxide in that, it eliminates the odors. I, I have given my daughter, Michaela, the freedom to use plastic water bottles again because for years she stopped using them because of the odor. Now, for Christmas, I gave her some hydrogen peroxide, H2O2, that I diluted so that she can clean her stuff. But there are other uses for H2O2. Plants love it. If you pour it in the roots of the plant, it causes the soil to get oxygenated. And we actually have this one plant. I haven't named her yet, but she's on the counter in the kitchen, and she loves the hydrogen peroxide. When I pour it in, she dances. What, what's, who is she, baby? Yeah, she's oregano. So oregano is, she's this cute little plant. And you pour in the hydrogen peroxide, and literally, she dances for you. She does. I, ask my kids, ask my wife. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not a dramatic kind of guy. <laughs> but this, for real, she does dance, doesn't she? She really does. She dances. And she did. 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 And uh, I, I am my mother's son, and I figure if a little is good, then a lot is always better, right? And so, <laughs> yeah, that's not always the case. So I took the hydrogen peroxide and watered all the plants, and this was in the cold front was a little, you know, they come in for a couple hours and moves on. We pulled all the plants in, and I decided I'm going to spray the leaves to get some oxygen on the leaves. And so I spray all of my wife's plants in the dining room that we have brought in. And then I go, and I think, well, I probably should Google that. So I went and sat down, used Google. It's a handy little resource if used timely. And I found out that plants love hydrogen peroxide in the roots, but if you put it on their leaves, it will burn them all. Yeah, that's what I said. And I'm waiting how to, how to build up the courage to tell my wife I may have just killed all the house plants. And she walks in from outside. And I said, baby, I think I did something bad. She was like, what? What would you do now? And I said, I said, you're not actually supposed to spray the plants with hydrogen peroxide. They love it in the roots, but you're not supposed to spray it, spray it on the leaves. It, it will burn them. And uh, she goes, oh, no, I just sprayed the entire garden with the hydrogen peroxide solution. I said, you, you did what? That was really dumb. Why'd you do that? You can't follow what I'm saying to do. I'm not the gardener. You're the gardener. The next morning, we wake up, and all of the leaves are brown. Now, I think they're going to make it, guys. I think they're going to make it. They're, they're probably going to survive, but they're, they're mad at me right now. They're, they're pretty ticked. And I started thinking about how hydrogen peroxide, which is really just an oxygen molecule and a water molecule, two things that our bodies need to live and to breathe and to flourish and to thrive, harmless. 
but used in the wrong spaces, in the wrong way, in the wrong concentration, can be deadly. We seem to know that with gardening. We seem to know that in so many areas of our life that it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. But why do we do that in our Christianity? Why do I look out at you and I think, oh, if you don't act like I act and you don't spend the same amount of time with Jesus that I do, and if you don't pray like I do, then somehow you're less close to him than me. And it's simply just not true. My journey with Jesus should look a lot different than yours. The journey looks different while Jesus always remains the same. So we have to be careful. It's not a one-size-fits-all. And so I come to you with good news today because one of the things that Carrie and I value so much throughout the course of our life, we taught our kids this from day one, whether that was from birth or adoption. We taught our kids the value of personal growth. We had core values as a family, and one of them was growth, meaning I'm going to take intentional opportunities to grow myself any chance that I get. I'm also going to enlarge other people by being positive around them, being a connector of people, speaking life over situations and dead seasons in the world. Like, I just value growth, myself growing and me playing a role in you growing. It's not one size fits all. You can't take my growth track, my growth plan, and apply it to yours. It, it won't work. And in fact, what worked for me last year won't work for me today. And what works for me today won't probably work for me next year. I've got to constantly, even my growth strategy has to constantly be growing and changing and developing. Growth is important. So someone asked me the other day, well, how do I know if I'm fully developing? How do I actually know? I mean, we talk in church about purpose being awakened and developed, but what does that look like? Well, it's going to look different for everyone around, so I'm going to try to communicate some things to you today that maybe you can just put it in your pocket, Orlando, and you can apply it to your own life, and, and the Lord will highlight what needs to be highlighted to you. But things are different. Seasons are different. Look, two nights ago, my boys, my wife was out of town and my boys, Jordan and Tristan, wanted to stay up all night and play video games. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. You stay up all night. Let's like get out the junk food, which we didn't have any. Get out the salad. Let's do the non-fat-free ranch. You know, we get out all this food and we're watching TV and playing video games and uh, Carrie's not there and we're having fun, right, boys? Jordan, right? It was fun. It was fun. 4 a.m. We made it. We made it to 4 a.m. And guess what? I'm not made for that anymore. I realized that this morning when I had to get out of bed for church because the eight hours of sleep I got last night did not make up for the night before where I only had four hours of sleep, right? My old college days, I could do that. I could pull all-nighters, and I could write the computer program in one night and just knock it out, or the 10-page essay. Man, I, I knew how to procrastinate. I put the pro in procrastinate. I could just bust it out at night, but I can't do that anymore. I got to measure myself. Like, let's play one video game, kids. Maybe tomorrow we might can do another. Not a, 
you know, a stretch till 4 a.m. Some of you are probably like me, though, and you still think that one size fits all and you just know how to do it and, and you're not really good at measuring yourself and you, you think maybe like I do and that it's all or nothing. Maybe that's why we often feel like we're not growing. Maybe that's why we often feel like we're not being successful, why we're not making progress, because we're trying to measure our life through the lens of a lifetime rather than through the lens of today. Maybe just one step forward gets us closer to the journey. Maybe that first dollar you save to go to Disney World is when the vacation begins. Let's be okay in growing in certain areas of our life and it being baby steps on some days. And you know, some days we might even take two steps back. But I promise you, if you just continue to press forward, regardless of the crowd, regardless if you see that the door is open, regardless if you can hear Jesus in the room, if God has called you to it, it doesn't matter if you and I have to break through a roof. I think sometimes our breakthrough looks more like a break-in. We keep trying to get everything off of us and step out of something. Maybe we just need to step into something. Maybe step into your identity. Step into the freedom that has already been won for you. Step into a moment of worship where you can lay the swords down and pick up a trumpet. Maybe growth is really that easy for us to keep our eyes, the vision on where God is sending us to and being okay with whatever path we take to get to that final destination. It's messy to tear through a ceiling. Can you imagine Jesus sitting there doing his teaching and the rubble from the ceiling begins to fall? Like just a little bit, and he hears pounding. Can you imagine? And he looks up, he knows, he knows what's coming. Come on, he's Jesus. He, he may have taken one step sideways. But he knew, he knew. He's sitting there, they're teaching, and these people had to break through a ceiling to get to Jesus. Sometimes God doesn't even want you to walk through an open door. Can you hear me, church? We always are looking for the right thing, the right answer, the easy way, the wide open door. Maybe God doesn't want you to walk through a wide open door. Maybe he wants you to trust the four people carrying you on top of a ceiling. Maybe he's wanting you to sweat and breathe a little bit heavier as you break through a, a ceiling. Maybe God is wanting you to hunger and thirst for him so much more than you do for convenience. So how do you grow? It's a good question. I'm not sure that I have the answer, but I have five solutions that possibly might work. At the Exchange Church, we say that there are five core values that we like to measure. We don't measure you. We measure us for us, and you measure you for you. But in these five areas, the E-E-R-S-S, in these five areas, if you can kind of look around and see that you are somewhat growing and making progress in these five things, there's a pretty good chance that you are spiritually growing, that you are becoming a fully developing follower of Jesus Christ. And it's one step at a time. It's not an all or nothing kind of deal. But the first one, I hope you take note of this, is excellence. Everybody say excellence. I really believe that for us to find our purpose being developed today, we have to live 
in an excellent kind of way. Excellence. It matters. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, do it with all your heart as if working for God, not for men. It matters what we do. In Proverbs 22, verse 29, it says that the skill of our trade, if done well, in other words, excellence, will place us before kings. Your excellence will place you before kings, or it will close the door in the throne rooms. Excellence matters. Like, Jesus went all the way for us. Do you, do you know what I mean? It, it just kind of, kind of matters. So, excellence is a great question. I'm, I'm not talking about perfectionism. Some of us think we live an excellent life, and the reality is we're such a perfectionist that we get nothing accomplished. Excellence is doing the best with what you currently have, and I believe that your level of excellence needs to be developed if you want your purpose to ever be realized. Excellence. Aside from excellence, evangelism, evangelism, Everybody has a story. Evangelism is a churchy word. It's, a, it's kind of a, you know, a fun word to, to talk about, just sharing your story. You have a story with Jesus. I know it, sometimes it doesn't feel like it's sexy and it's not glamorous, and why would they listen to my story? But the reality is you're here. There, are a lot of, there have been a lot of people that cycle through this thing we call church. Something has taken them out of the fight. You're here. You, you have a story of victory. Why? Because you're still standing. We've got to get better, church, about being okay with the story that we carry. The reason that we carry that story is because there's someone that we will interact with daily or every other day or weekly that needs to hear the truth of your story. I, I know your story's boring. I get it. I've said the same thing about mine. Or your, your story is too crazy. No one would ever believe that you're actually a Christian. I know I've said, said the same thing about mine. Uh, you know, I can't really help anyone. I, I'm still struggling with all of these things. I don't, even, I don't even know what to do or how to communicate it or how to get people help. So I'm not going to share my story. I know I've said all of those things to myself. But here's the wonderful thing about it all. The the power is not in my ability to articulate it any certain way. The power is in the fact that I'm just willing to throw off the covers and say, this is my story. The ugly part of it, the beautiful part of it, the graceful part of it, the truthful part of it. Just, Lord, use whatever you can in the story that I share. You have a story to share. If you're not growing in evangelism, you're not developing in your purpose. The reality is purpose, when it's given to us, either on a daily basis or an annual basis, or we're looking at a destiny 20 years down the road, that purpose is created for you, but it's not to benefit only you. God uses kingdom mindsets. Are you with me, church? Like, this is why it's critical for you and I to evangelize, to share our story, to let little pieces of us rub off on to other people and to absorb what they've got and what God is trying to say to us through them because our stories, when woven together, create this beautiful tapestry of this thing called kingdom and global church. All right. Excellence, evangelism, 
The third one, write this down, is relationships. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got a friend in me. You wanted to sing it, didn't you? Yep. Relationships matter. It's really easy and convenient to come to church late and leave early. Done that too. But we have to kind of flip that on its head and start coming early and leaving late so that we have windows of opportunities to share our hearts with one another. Relationships really do matter. Ecclesiastes says two are better than one. If one falls, the other will help him get back up. Relationships matter. And I'm sure you've, just like me, been in a season of your life where you couldn't stand up on your own. And had it not been for the people that carried you to the ceiling, you would have never seen breakthrough. It's in those moments of life when you realize that relationships aren't just made in the crisis segments of my world. It's made in the inconvenient spaces. When I spend time with people and I share my heart and I'm vulnerable and I give people hugs that I don't want to give hugs to and I sit and talk to people. Do you know what I mean? Like building those relationships before I need them because when I, I need them, I'm going to need them. I don't have time to build a framework for a friendship. I don't have time to build relational capital in that moment. Like when I need you, I need you, and I need you quick. We've all had those moments when you get the call from the doctor. Thank God for your 2 a.m. friends in this church that rallied around with you and prayed with you and brought encouragement to your soul. We, we've seen people in this church struggle through marriage and end up going in divorce, and the world is turned upside down for them. And thank God they have people who love them and see God's best for them and still can champion them and are in their corner, both corners, not picking a corner in everyone's corner so that we can see God's goodness be revealed on earth. These are when relationships matter. And I know you're a one-trick pony show, like you've got it all together, like you don't need anybody else. You're the director, you're the actor, you're the sound engineer, you're everything, all, you're just perfect and awesome. I said that about myself too. Relationships matter. If we're not intentionally trying to build relationships we are choosing to not grow relationships. Well, that was a fun one. Y'all want to talk about a really lighthearted one now? All right, let's talk about stewardship. Stewardship. If you want to know if you're growing, check your bank account. Can I? This is one of those points where I'm just going to be real honest with you. I love you enough to speak the truth. If we're not giving our 10% tithe, we can't claim to be generous. We're not even being obedient. In fact, the Bible says that we're robbing from God. Now, Carrie and I, I think she talked about it last week, possibly. We went through a time in our world where we owed so many creditors and it was like pay tithe, food on the table kind of thing. And we willingly chose to stop tithing. Chose it. 
we justified it because, you know, the Bible says we should owe no man and um, we are being a witness to him by paying our creditors. Problem is, I became more faithful to the creditor than I did to God. I, I, actually, I actually trusted the creditor more than I trusted God. And so we started at 2% giving, and that was tough. Bumped it up to 3% after a few weeks. A couple months later, we're hitting 5%. I mean, robbing God less, but still robbing God. But we were seeing progress. Do you know what I mean? It's, it would be great if your faith was at a point. It's Really, that's an indication of our faith. right? If your faith is at a point where you can say, I'm just going to do the 10% because that's God's standard and that's what he asked of me to do. If your faith is there, absolutely do it. But if you, if you have to start at a one and a half percent, do it. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let that be one step of progress in your life. If you think one and a half percent is difficult, you're certainly never going to have the faith for 10 percent. Let God prove himself in that two percent. And then maybe you'll test him in the three and in the four, and in the five. How am I so confident that this is an indicator of our growth? Because the Bible speaks on giving more than anything else. Anything else. It's both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Jesus talks about giving. Jesus talks about the tithe. We try to justify it and say that giving has gone away with the covenants. Tithing was pre-covenants. Like, I feel so passionately about this because I've been there when I couldn't put food on the table. I've, I've been there where I made a decision to trust God and I paid the tithe, the first fruits, right? You get the check and you give God 10% before you know if the 90 is going to work out or not. That's called faith. And that's what unties the hands of God in your life. I have never seen God not show up, ever, ever. Hear me, believe me. A couple years ago, I gave a 90-day challenge and I had it all in paper to explain to make sure people understood. And I said, listen, you, you tithe the correct way for 90 days, your full 10%, the first 10%, and you see what God's going to do. And if at the end of 90 days, God has not come through for you in so many different areas. Now, I'm not actually even saying you're going to get rich or win the lottery. I'd also suggest not spending too much money on lottery tickets if you're not paying your tithe. Anyway, that's... Not one person came back and said they wanted a refund after 90 days because God did it and he'll do it again and again and again. There was a season of our marriage where we were $500 short every month. Five, do you remember that, baby? Still, I still don't even know how God did it. We got reimbursements from Texas A&M University. Electricity. Anyone ever get a refund from your electricity company? No, doesn't have, it's a God thing. Like God over and over came through. So you want to feel like you're growing? Start challenging yourself in the area of giving. 
in fact, it's a good time to do that because this week our giving statements are going out. Our end of year giving statements will be out in the mail. Look at yours. See where it is. The The Bible is very clear. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. It is, it is spiritually impossible to say, God, I'm not going to tithe, but you know my heart. That's incongruent. Like theologically impossible for God to know your heart and you think your heart is good and you're not tithing. The Bible says we don't need to guess about heart issues. We can just look at bank statements. That's heavy, isn't it? But once you've seen it work, once you've seen the freedom of your commitment and obedience to tithing, you can't deny the power that's in it. My final point. The fifth area that you can grow in for your breakthrough is servanthood. I'm not going to talk too much on that. I'm already out of time. I'm going to come back next week. It's worthy of a full, full sermon on servanthood. Next Sunday actually is Super Bowl Sunday, right? Super Bowl Sunday. You guys coming to church? Why, why are you laughing? <laughs> I don't get it. Did I say something funny? Um, somebody in first, I asked the first service crowd if they were coming to church, and no one laughed. They all said, yes, sir. And uh, not really. They all laughed, just like you. And somebody over here said, oh, the Super Bowl's not till the evening. I said, that don't matter. I know people that know how to party. You know what I mean? They've already started having fun and cooking and grilling and preparing the menu. No, we're going to be at church next week. And, and to help bribe you to get here, I want you to wear your jersey. It's Jersey Sunday. It could be your favorite team. It could be a team that's not even playing in the Super Bowl. If you're just like want to stick it to the man because you don't like either team, wear that other jersey. You know, be angry. I don't care. Just be here. We're going to talk about serving people because it's not just about building this local church, which, by the way, I thank God for this local church. I thank God that there was a place for you to come to to encounter Jesus. I thank God that there was a place that I could come to to awaken and develop the purpose that is on my life. Don't you ever let anyone try to tear down this notion of the local church to you. It's a lie of the enemy to destroy the work of God, to destroy unity. There is value in the local church. There is value in the local church. Servanthood is next week. I want to close out by reading this. Now, I'm I'm just going to skip it. I'm going to skip it. I'll say this to you. Make sure that you know your enemy. Because oftentimes, I said, if the enemy blocks the door, then go through the roof. Oftentimes, it's not Satan that's blocking the door. It's us on his payroll. We have to to believe in a God who loves us enough that wants us to succeed, wants us to flourish, wants us to thrive, but then we also have to have the courage to have some hard conversations with ourselves and step out of the way so that we can actually reach God's plan for our life. Amen. Uh, will you stand to your feet?
Will our worship team come forward? Just to follow up for the people that we prayed for the sensory stuff. Did you, did you feel any immediate relief? Are we still praying on that? In first service, I felt like the Lord was telling me that he was um, bringing kingdom revelation today to this church. Felt it super, super strong in first service. Um, I'm not sure that that's a word for this service, but I want to throw it out there. And if it resonates with you, I want you to latch onto it and declare it over your life. There are some things that have been hidden God is mysterious, right? But not hidden. In other words, we can't always figure him out, but we can always find him. There is coming a kingdom revelation to several people here, and I feel like God is just doing an entrepreneurial thing in our church. And I just, I just sense this new birthing that's going to be happening in some people. You've not been able to figure some things out though. It's as if they've been hidden from you. There's going to be kingdom revelation. You're actually going to see how that dream ties into your kingdom purpose. I almost think you've been hesitant to fulfill your dream because you felt like it was selfish. And God says, go for it. Run after it. He wants you to prosper. He wants he, he wants you to gain influence in the community. He wants all of these things because he trusts you. He trusts that you're going to bring his name to this community. Carrie, I want to go into a moment of worship. Yes, I want you to share something. So I, I'm just to confirm everything that you're saying. I just really feel like there's some people here that God is just really stirring um, in your hearts, some things that... Um, maybe you haven't been doing that he's just birthing inside of you and I really feel like he's saying to take that step of faith and I and I want to ask you to come forward so we can pray over you regardless of what that might be because you know faith is an action and we can sit and we can hear the word of God and we can agree with it and in that moment we can feel stirred but when we come and step out of our seat and we come to the front and say okay God I'm doing this I'm going to do this, whatever it might be. Maybe it's fully committed to the house of God. Maybe it's fully committed to tithing. Maybe it's, I'm going to commit to actually be a generous person. I don't know what that is for you, but I really feel like God is saying, let's put some action behind this decision and let's step out of our seat and come forward. So if that's you, whatever that might look like for you, I want to invite you up to the front so we can pray over you and agree with you. And I believe that when you do that, it's just going to release something in the spirit realm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. I just feel stronger than ever that it's time for change with God's people. It's time that we quit agreeing with God, but actually put some action behind that agreement. 
I still feel like there's more. God is just stirring so much right now in the spirit realm, in your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, life abundantly isn't just in our finances, it's in our marriage. It's good. It's in our families. It's in our workplace. Right. It's everywhere you go. He wants you to have life and live it abundantly. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So who, who here had a panic attack this morning? You had a panic attack. I want to just pray over you. If that's you, come. come. There is... Uh, Blanca, there is a spirit of fear that is trying to attach itself, and there is there is a war because you are such a woman of faith, and a, a, I just see that you step so boldly with authority. Like there's not confusion between you and God, but there is a spirit of fear that is trying to strip away the extreme faith that you walk in, and it's trying to delay delay something in your life. So right now, by the authority of Jesus Christ, God, we just release a new peace in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, we just declare that no weapon fashioned or formed against us will prosper. In Jesus' name, we even speak right now biologically to every system in our body, and we say that you must function and align properly to the plan and purpose of God over Blanca's life in Jesus' name. God, I just thank you that in the moments of the onset of panic, God, that she will just walk with the authority and the boldness to speak to her heart and tell it to slow down, to command her breathing, to come into alignment with her, the will for her body, God, we just speak new joy in the name of Jesus. New joy. Not a manufactured joy. Not a joy because it's tradition and it's the habit of who I am. A joy that is bubbling up inside of her in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Whenever anyone was going to battle, they would always go first in worship. The worshipers would go before. And I just want to encourage you right now to let your worship go before the battle. Whatever it is that you feel like you're needing from God in this moment, let's worship through it right now. It's been a few moments. I'll come back and pray over you together. those of you that are up front, I just want to remind you that sometimes it is easy for us to accept Jesus as Savior, 
but not place him as Lord. The moment you say yes to Jesus, your, your eternity has changed. He is your Savior. He has saved you from that which you could not have saved yourself. But every single day, you have a choice to surrender your life and your will to Him. And so during this week, I want you to journal kind of how you see lordship coming over your life, how you see lordship unfolding. In other words, journal those areas of your life that it's time for you to surrender. Now, that doesn't mean you're doing something wrong, okay? That's not what I'm placing on you. I'm saying that there are new seasons and new steps that the Lord would have you to take. And some of you are more committed to what you think works than what God knows is going to work. And so we've got to come to a place of full surrender. Okay, Father, in Jesus' name, God, I thank you. God, I thank you that you, in this week of their journaling, you are going to surprise these people. You're going to show them that their efforts are not in vain. God, you're just going to stir up inside of them a new passion, new desire to stay faithful, to stay committed. God, I thank you that you, you have a habit of using people even when they think that they can't be used. God, when Moses thought he couldn't speak, when Gideon thought he wasn't strong, God, you use people for your purposes. So God, we just ask over the coming seven days that there will be a new fire that stirs within us. Something more, God. Something more than we've heard or seen to this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Can you give Jesus a hand clap this morning? Thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear how God is moving in your life. Share your story by visiting theexchangechurch.org and click on Connect to contact us.